Jack will be joining us in one second. Turn your phone off. Have actually. Hello. Hello, how's it going? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Uh, Jonathan uh, was having some technical issues. Yes. So I elected to go for a sleep in the corner of the office. Yes, uh, uh, profound apologies uh, for the technical issues today. Uh, new technology, new equipment, now working. We're actually streaming live, Michael, via 4G. Um, rather than Wi-Fi, I just can't get it to work on the Wi-Fi network. So I'm going to use all my data for the month. <laughs> um, I'll be stuck in London at some point on Monday going, I've got no data, but I'm sure it'll be right. You had a good month pricing? Well, I was on holiday last week uh, in Italy, which I thought was average. So for all our Italian viewers, I'm sorry to tell you, it's average. And I know I'm going to sound like a Philistine, but Rome's just full of old stuff covered in graffiti. Right. Um, uh, Pompeii is just a very old village with litter around it. Uh, and no real way of accessing any of the useful information. Um, public transport there, very good. It turns up whenever it wants to, but fortunately there's lots of it. Right. And it's very cheap, so I thought it was excellent. Italian beach, pretty good. Uh, I've got to say, today something's happened actually with a candidate. I hope you're watching this, because it's one of the most unprofessional things I have ever seen in 18 years as an IT salesman. What's that? Uh, I don't know too much detail, actually, because I guess it's a touch confidential, but you know who the person in question is. You may be watching this, may not. May phone me, may not. Who cares? Because the reality of the way he has handled the turning down of an opportunity, which is fine, you know, come let's do that. No issue with that. Um, it's just, I've never, literally never seen anything like it in my life. It was a bit amateur hour, wasn't it? Oh, ridiculous. Just pathetic. <laughs> Utter, utterly pathetic. Right. But it's not what Jordan Belfort would have done. Jordan Belfort would have just turned it down. And he just gone, listen, I don't want to work there. And I'd have gone, right, cool, at least we know that. There'd have been no dilly-dallying, would there? No, definitely So, not. this week, we are talking about uh, Way of the Wolf by Jordan Belfort. Yep, got it. And we're talking about chapters one to three. We've got a lot to talk about and a lot to cover here in the show, haven't we? We have, yes. Um, I've got to say, I've rather enjoyed this thus far. For different reasons, and I think what, what, what we should do, what I'm going to suggest is, we've got three chapters to talk about. One is cracking the code for sales and influence. Uh, I actually I think the prologue is worth talking about as well. Did you read the prologue? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. Chapter one is cracking the code for sales and influence. Two is inventing what he calls the straight line, and three is the first four seconds, which was actually an incredibly short chapter. Where thankfully. The, the, yeah, thankfully, where the content was pretty lightweight. Um... So, without any further ado, I, I was naturally very sceptical when, when we chose this. I, I'd watched The Wolf of Wall Street as a movie, um, and as somebody commented when we advertised this on LinkedIn, they said, well, yeah, great, I'm sure it's a great sales book, but anybody can sell anything when actually the premise of your pitch is an absolute lie. And so I was a bit sceptical that this was going to be a book written by a guy who, in many respects, had lost his credibility for me. But actually, in his prologue, he does a pretty good job of rebuilding a bit of credibility as a sales professional with me. Okay. So what you've got, you know, what they say about me is true. Um, and he talks about how he could turn anybody into a world-class closer almost instantly. But what I thought was really interesting was this little paragraph here in the prologue where, and I thought this would be useful for us to talk about today, he said, Alas, there was a dark side to all this precocious success. You see, the system turned out to be almost too effective. 
Um, it created freshly minted millionaires at such a ferocious clip they ended up, uh, they ended up skipping over the typical life struggles that most young women, and women go through that serve to build their character. The result was success without respect, wealth without restraint, and power without responsibility. And just like that, things began to spiral out of control. And I highlighted this because I think we're seeing something not dissimilar in certain areas of our market now. Success without respect. And the line he put here, skipping over the typical life struggles that most young women, men and women go through that serve, that serve to build their characters. And I'm putting in here brackets as sales professionals. And I think we're in a market in certain areas, for example, uh, cybersecurity, in yes. certain parts of that market, certain parts of the big data market, where we're seeing salespeople earning outrageous money and they are collecting half a million quid without passing go, without going around the board, without becoming one. Well, you're talking about without something. building a skill set that warrants it. Correct. But that's what he's talking about. Yeah, and, and, and well, what he was saying was I had guys earning ridiculous money that, that haven't built, they haven't earned their spurs really. Well, it's interesting. I don't disagree with you or him on that. What I thought about this book was it talks about the late 80s to the early 90s was when this period of success was. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, Black Monday was uh, in 1987. Yeah. So the stock market nosedives. And then I thought, well, so I'm going to have a quick look online, actually. So it was on its bounce back up, wasn't it, at that point in time? Yeah. So I sort of think to myself about all of this stuff, a bit like the book that we covered with the lady whose name I've forgotten now. Patty McCord. Patty McCord. I wondered about her. Was she the right person in the right place at the right time? Right. And then I wondered about him. Was he the right person in the right place at the right time? He set up a system, he, he set up a business selling stock when the stock market was flying to a group of people who were first-time investors, daughters of the baby boomers, who had some cash in their pockets created by the liquidity in the economy. The house prices have all risen, so they've got plenty of cash. And he was selling them something that was rising anyway. And then, he, you know, I can't remember what chapter it is now, I'll have written it down. And he says in his book, I was the best salesperson of any place I ever went. And then when did his business collapse and when did it fall apart? Well, the early 90s. And what happened to the stock market? The stock market collapsed. So I thought to myself, was he just riding the crest of a wave and then making it out to be his own success? And Jordan, you might be watching this. I hope you are. Um, I, 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 might I point out, Pricey, by the way, I did actually um, speak to Belfort's people. Did you? Yes, and that's an ongoing conversation cool. um, about Jordan joining us on the show, perhaps via a Skype call. What do you reckon our chances are? I'd say half decent, actually. I've got to follow up on it this weekend. Where do you think you might be on the certainty scale? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, he probably doesn't know about it. I contacted him. I have ways and means of getting people's email addresses. I actually contacted him on his personal Gmail account. Cool. And the guy that acts as his sales director for the Jordan Belfort brand came back to tell me more about the proposition. So I've got to have that conversation with him. But it would be great to have the guy on the show. Yeah, um, and okay. I, 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 he did seem the sales director did seem game for a more deep conversation. So, but hopefully we might be able to get him to phone in for ten minutes before the end of the book. Cool. Yeah. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. So, yeah. So, go on. You just yeah. Because then saying. he makes reference, and I thought to myself, I wonder, Jordan, if I put you in some of my client environments, in a, a you know a me to environment where there's not necessarily much growth. Yeah. Oh, now you go. Oh, now you straight line selling technique that we'll come on to. So, how would you go, for example, here? Hey, good example. Yeah. What in straight? 
Here's your straight line selling technique. Yeah, there's some growth in the market, but not much. W- welcome to our uh, welcome to IC, welcome to IT sales recruitment. Yeah. There's a list of companies. I don't for a minute doubt. Other, there's 20 other recruitment firms having a dig. I don't for a minute doubt the man's capable of picking up the phone. He's not afraid of it. There's no doubt about that. No. He'd definitely pick it up and, and have I'll a dig. Now, and that's half the battle. That, I'll tell you now, that's a bloody good start. Brilliant start, yeah. yeah brilliant that fearlessness start. is a very good start. To and, I, and you know, we, we're getting sort of a bit off track, I guess. But, but I wanted to like the book the minute I picked it up. Because I like the Wolf of Wall and? Street film. And do you want to go through the chapters or do you want me to tell you what I'm... Well, let's go through the chapters, shall we? Okay. So, so, so chapter one, cracking the code. I'd say my first thought about it, and I put it on LinkedIn, and some people were a bit negative about his techniques, and some people were a bit positive. What I've got to say about, the, the, about, about chapter one that I liked, and him that I liked, is A, he has got a method of selling stuff that he has created and he sticks to. Yeah. It's not another bastardised version of somebody else's, it's one that he has created and that he uses. Okay. And I have a lot of respect for that. Irrespective of it, it's good, bad or indifferent, he's got a system that he uses. Well, in fact, he's got a system that's as good a start as any. He's got a repeatable process that he can measure his success against. And when he comes off the call, he can think, where was I against my process? And I thought, whether you like it or not, I thought it was... I, Do you I know really what I quite liked? That. What he talks about was, I wrote down here, a super simple blue sheet for the tactical sale. What's wrong with that? Whether you agree with his profile and or not. And we'll expand on what he means by that in the fullness of time. For me, I thought, this is a super simple blue sheet for tactical selling. Yes, I agree with that. The other thing that I liked about it, and I guess we'll go into the chapter in a bit more detail, but it's a general tenor of the book, is it's nice to read a book about somebody talking about persuading and influencing. Yes. I thought, great. I couldn't agree He's more. He's up for I've actually influencing people and changing their opinion. Yes. And I thought, well, damn right, because that's what salespeople are paid to do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's some significant parts where he talks about influencing the outcome of the conversation. And how often do we talk to people where, actually, I feel a lot of candidates that we deal with have actually completely forgotten that that's what they're in the business of doing. Uh, uh, yes, I tell you, I agree with you. I tell you, the two reasons that they that, 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 that happens is one, Millerheim, I think, is the best example. I mean, you know, for those of you into it, great. For those of you who are not, I'll tell you one of the premises of Millerheim is c- cover all the boxes and, and, and you know tick all the boxes, and you don't have to close the prospect; they close themselves. Yeah. And we talk all about needs discovery and fitness solution to the needs and all the rest of it. But at some, what Millerheim never says, what spin selling never says, what Taz never says is. Actually, that person might not be 100% sold on what you've got to sell them, so you need to do that. To be fair, Miller Hyman does say that they have the new conceptual selling, which is the precursor to okay, strategic They have the, pre- I'm it's the, the precursor. It's the precursor to strategic selling, and if you actually read it, it's all about winning the tactical sale that enables you to win the strategic sale. I think the challenge is they have a branding issue, which is Miller Hyman are known as being the blue sheet people. Yes, yeah, yeah I agree. And, and in turn, there is too much of a focus on the strategic sale, particularly in our world, mm. and not enough people worrying enough about how good am I in a room one-on-one with another with a prospect. Yes, I agree. So, and then you get into chapter one, and without giving the game away, you know, they talk, for those of you that might want to read it, he's produced this thing which is a straight-line selling model with these three different things, product, trust, and trust the company, and where they are on a certainty spectrum. 
Now, I wasn't sure about the trust in the product, I must say, because I thought about, I thought about the, con the context of which he means it. His product is the stock that he is selling. Yeah, okay. So how do you influence a prospect certainty in the stock that you're selling in the way that he did it? I don't see how he could have done that. Okay. I don't see how he could have created certainty in whatever, you know, he's talking about selling bigger stockings than penny stocks here, but how is he going to create certainty in whether people should buy their own stock? They either want it or they don't. And it'd be interesting to get what he thought about that. And I didn't agree with that. And I, and I, I, I think when you've read the book, the well, he talks about the three tens. One is naught to ten on the product idea or concept. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. Okay, well, let's put that in recruitment terms. We sell something very esoteric, which is both a human being. We don't sell that. Or we sell opportunity. What's Jordan Belfort selling? Opportunity. Well, see, I don't agree with that. Maybe this is an interesting branding one for you and I offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I, think, I think that what we sell is our uh, system for enabling our clients to speak to relevant people. He wasn't selling that. He was selling somebody else's stock. He was selling a stock. He wasn't saying, tell you what, I want to be your advisor to find the best stock. He was phoning up saying, I want to sell you some stock. Okay. But, that makes hey, sense. You know, I'm sort of splitting hairs a little bit. Um, and he also talks about the next component of it is is whether they trust you. What? So your trust and connectivity, I think that's very key. I think it's very key, I agree with that. Trust and credibility. Yes, I do agree with that. I think one of the things that, that works very well for our business, Michael, is you and I, just for example, what we're doing now, we're, we're doing brand building around trust and credibility. It's, this is a trust and credibility play at us sitting here doing book clubs. Yeah. Um, and it helps, and people like it, and they do trust the brand. By the way, if you do like it, you can actually press like on the LinkedIn thing. I know that some people don't like pressing like, because they're fearful that if they press like, their boss will sit and they'll look for a job. Yeah. It's just absolute Please nonsense. Please like the content. It's just it, nonsense. It, it would be just because you're connected to a recruiter doesn't mean you're looking for a job. That's not how it works. It means you're connected to a recruiter. Absolutely. Okay, so let's move forward with the book. So I'll tell you a couple of bits I liked here. Everyone is somewhere on the scale at the beginning of the interaction. I think that's a really Perfect. good point. He's right, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. He puts here, your prospect will always enter the sales encounter at some point on the certainty scale, just why, who really knows. After all, we're not mind readers. However, what we do know is your prospect will definitely be somewhere. And then the other bit, and I thought was really valid, and I, I, sometimes I find when I try and talk to people about the conscious, the unconscious mind, when we try to coach and develop people within our own business, people don't get this. And I, I, you know, one particular employee we had that perhaps didn't quite get the work in the final analysis, and we had to part company with him. I spent a lot of time trying to explain this one bit, which was, he says, you see, we all arrive at any particular moment in time with a history of beliefs and values and opinions and experiences and victories and defeats and insecurities and decision-making strategies. And then, based on all that stuff, our brain, working at near light speed, will instantly relate it to whatever scenario lies before it. Then... Based on the result, it will place us at whatever point on the certainty scale it deems appropriate for each of the three tens. And it's from that starting point that we can be influenced. And I think that, I thought that was just a bob on. I, I thought he, he put that so concisely and beautifully. And I mean, I try and sell it, I, I try and explain that to people I'm coaching with a picture of a brain and 
lots of inputs and memories and files. And You've got to read that sentence then, aren't you? But that, I thought, was bang on. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Mean, I mean, I'd read it, but I hadn't circled it in that kind of way. And then he talks about two types of certainty. Logical certainty and emotional certainty. And again, so simple. You know, I, I talk a lot about the conscious and unconscious mind. It's the same thing. One is the, yes. the logical yes. and, the, and the illogical, the, the unconscious part of people's decision-making process. And we often talk about what's affecting people subconsciously rather than consciously. We were talking about one particular opportunity today, weren't we, where we were talking about the client and saying, I think subconsciously he has a particular issue with this candidate. Ah, uh, yes, I remember now. Yeah, and yeah, he doesn't yeah. realise he has the issue with that candidate. And actually, it's more the issue is more about him and his personal life than it is necessarily about the candidate's ability to do the job. Yes, I agree. And so I do think, and it's very rare, and it's great that he's talking about this in the book, to be fair to him, it's very rare we meet people who are enlightened enough and sharply enough honed as salespeople to really understand the emotional element of a deal. Normally the ones that do are normally elite. But most will usually look at a deal from a utilitarian perspective. I actually interviewed a fellow yesterday, I thought it was very interesting, was he talks a lot about, I said, what, what makes you good? And we were talking about what it, what it was about him, his skill set that made him strong. And he was talking a lot about how he understands what's in it for the client and how that affects them at a personal human level. Isn't that wins and results? It's bang on. I said that's wins and results in Miller Hyman parlance. And he went, I've never read Miller Hyman. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? Yeah, he's no, no, very, a very untrained... Clearly smart guy. Very intelligent, but he was talking a lot about I looked at what's in it for the client, and I think what he's talking about here is winter results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm on page 27 here now, which is still in, I think, chapter one. Uh, the next thing I really liked about this book is the guy's talking about objections. Yes, I don't know if that's chapter one or two, because I've kind of tated it in a different way. Yeah. Is this the one where he wrote, he wrote down all the objections, and he said, I'll stay here till midnight, and they, they came up with 14, then they actually thought, well, actually, there's two. Well, there's a couple of bits. He says here, um, I'll just put this camera back on me. For some reason, it's flitting, and I have no idea what I've done to it. I'll work it all out. Hold on. I have no idea what I've really done to it. Here you go, pan to Johnny Graham, and stay on me. Stay. Okay. Uh, and he talks about here, he said, you see, at the end of the day, objections are merely smoke screens for uncertainty for one of all of the three tens. In other words, if you ask for the order and your prospect is not high enough on the certainty scale, then they'll throw out a smoke screen in the form of one of the common objections as opposed to coming clean with you, which would mean revealing specifically which of the three tens was holding them back. And I, I, I loved that. Um, I wrote here, the presenting objection is never the presenting objection. How many times have you heard me try and coach? Oh. Coach a, a colleague on that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. The objection is never the objection, um, and he's completely clear on that. Mm. Um, and uh, some people will say, "Well, this is a bit facile and a little bit simplistic." And I think we'll get probably a lot of feedback from a lot of the people that we work with. Again, well, it's all a little bit simplistic. Three, three items. I think for a one-on-one -on -one sale thus far, everything I've read in the first three chapters is bother. I'm, I'm, I'm not raving about it. Because I'd like to think that the people that we deal with at the level that we deal with, they should have digested this shit 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think there's... But do you know what? This is... Uh, this lights. always happens. This is a grounding. And a, I, 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 thus far, if you said to me, well, what do you reckon, Johnny? Should I read it? 
if you were a 45-year-old middle-aged salesman that was at the pump of your career, 90k base, I'd say, do you know what? It won't hurt you one bit. I think it's as much anything. It's an interesting read if you watch the film. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm not a Philistine. I either watch the film or read the book, but... So I'm on to chapter two, and he puts a little bit of blurb in here, doesn't he? I'll tell you what's really interesting is how he talks about how difficult it was transitioning his sales team to sell to high net worth individuals from selling the cheap shit penny stocks. Yeah, yeah. And how difficult some people found it selling to what in reality were a slightly more educated, aggressive audience. Yeah. And that rankled true with us as a business in as much as how difficult we found getting employees in our business to just have the gravitas and the comfort with working with candidates and clients that are in reality high net worth. Yeah, I don't know, because I think the process is fundamentally the same. Yeah, well that's his point. Yeah. That's exactly. his whole point, is it's just a bloody process. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I mean, I wrote down a few things about this chapter, actually. He'd gone on about, uh, for a time period, about talking about things that are non-germane to the sale. Right. You read that bit. Go on, tell me a bit about that. So, I mean, I'm paraphrasing it and making it up, really, but to give you the example, it's fairly accurate. He was sort of saying, listen, if you're talking to somebody about fishing and you're not talking about buying stocks, it's not germane to the sale. Yeah. Did you read that bit? Yes. I just thought that was nonsense. Because I, th- I think, you know, he, he, I, he mentions one bit about the objections being a smokescreen for the real truth, and one of the objections he said was, I, I need to go away and talk to my wife. That was one of the objections that they were getting a lot. Yeah. And I thought to myself, but surely if he'd understa- understood the background to the people, then that would be more interesting and help him with the sale. So I think that very often we get to know our candidates fairly well, and that helps us understand the match environmentally of where the right job is. So as an example, you interviewed a guy on Tuesday, I think it was, He's in his mid to late 40s, yep. you know, just natural sort of guesswork would say his kids were, you know, probably teenagers, but they're not they're quite young. Yeah. So that wholly influences the kind of job that he's going to get. Correct. It, it has a, a, and actually... It has a huge determining factor. But this guy, what Jordan's, whatever his name is, he's saying... Is not he's Jordan Spieth. Uh, yeah, Jordan Belford's saying, oh yeah, just don't worry about the background stuff, it's not important. All you've got to do is talk to them about stock. And actually, he said... When you're talking about the, the non-germane stuff, you're not talking about stuff that's relevant. I just thought that was, I just thought was absolute nonsense. Utter really? nonsense, that. Yeah, absolute nonsense. So let's take this one, Jordan. So you're trying to sell me a bucket load of stock, uh, but I'm moving house next month. Oh, we didn't know I was moving house. Right. You didn't, you didn't know I was moving house. Oh, so you're trying to sell me a load of stock, but um, guess what? I'm divorced, and I've got my whatever you have to pay to get divorced is. Uh, divorce uh, money. Divorce money. Oh, you didn't know that. Ah, right. So, um, so, so you're trying to sell me a load of stock that I'm into powerboat racing. So I've got 100k to spend on either powerboat or stock. Oh, but you didn't know I was into powerboat racing. So you're just going to try and pitch me stock. And I just thought that. I just, that's nonsense. Absolute rubbish, that bit, I thought. Yeah, okay. I, I get that. I, I think, so what you're saying is there has to be some kind of rapport building here and a Wider com- a wider understanding of the context of the sale. Yes, it's not necessarily a report. It's a wider understanding of the background of the person that you're trying to influence. If you don't understand what influences them, then how are you going to influence them? Yeah, okay. I thought trying to bully them. The next thing I really just thought was absolute nonsense is 
And I've written this down. This is how much I dislike this. On the straight line, you're the one doing the talking and your client is doing the listening. Yeah, that's... I just thought, oh, great. So, so all this stuff that I've been taught, you know, and every single salesperson I've ever met uh, uh, who said, you've got two ears, one mouth, they're all wrong, Belton. They're all wrong. None of them are right. What you're saying to, to me is that you should be talking people in submission and not listening to them. I just thought that. I didn't quite pick up on that. Well, I've got it written down. On the straight line, you're the one doing the talking and the client is doing the listening. Right. Okay. I'm not sure I buy that. Right. Um, uh, and then he was talking about, this is a chapter actually, where he says he's outsold everyone in every sales team he's ever worked at. I've got to say, what the film, he seemed like a pretty good salesman, Leonardo DiCaprio, he seemed pretty switched on. Leo's, I thought Leo was a top boy. I don't play. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. And what about the other guy? Uh, the guy with the glasses, his first employee. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't play him. Um, but, but, so I don't want to sit there and pan the guy, let's get it right, he's got a lot more money than me. But, I just thought to myself, you don't sold everyone. Well, what do you want him to say? I was a bit average, really, but I was good at winding people into a frenzy, filling them full of coke. Oh, is that the truth? I think that might have been it. So why did he pull that? I don't know. Okay, so... And that's what I thought about chapter two. I, 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 I don't know, I thought in chapter two there were some good bits. Do you know one of the bits I liked here? Was he says, essentially, there are three basic tenets of the front half of the straight line. Uh, you must take immediate control of the sale. Not enough people talk about controlling the sale. Yes, I agree with that. When we do, if we do a deal investigation with a candidate and we're interviewing them on behalf of a client, and I'll drill deep, very few will say, I controlled the sale. I controlled the agenda, I controlled the outcome. Very few people talk about control. But it's nearly always the top, 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 top boys that do. Yes, I agree with that. Completely. And the, if we use switching methodologies here, and we go to solution selling, it's normally the journeymen that don't, and the eagles that do, talk about, I was in control of the deal from start to finish. I, they use the word control. Yeah, fair point. I mean, I skipped that. And I, I really that. liked that. And then he talks a lot about you must engage in massive intelligence gathering whilst you simultaneously build rapport with your prospect. Like that. Intelligence gathering, not qualifying, just know stuff. Find out something. It's that's funny because I've read that chapter in a different way. I've read that in a different way. Well, it's funny because I was poorly the other night and I couldn't sleep and I got up at three in the morning and read it and that's what I highlighted. So maybe that's what happens when you can't sleep. But maybe you're right, because that, that just isn't how I read that chapter at all. Right. I read that chapter as in this guy pictures and bloody closes people is how I read it, actually. And then it goes, you then must smoothly transition into a straight line presentation so you can begin the, begin the process of building absolute certainty for each of the three tens. And I'll tell you what, if you did that, if you sat there and thought, question one, am I in control here? Am I in control of the campaign? Am I in control of the conversation? Who's in control here? Question two. How much intelligence do I have here? What do I know? So I think he's negating the, your point about not knowing the wider. Yeah, certainly. It certainly seems like we've read, it, we've read it in two different ways. You know, how often, how often have we had play, lost placements? For instance, like you say, you can lose a placement, can't you? And you don't realise why. And actually, it's because the wife or, or, or the husband had a huge objection to the job. That happens a lot. A, yeah, a, the part a, a of stakeholder or a buying or, influence we didn't or, know about. Or, or actually, just, just the person's life. 
Yes. Just their life. You know, what's interesting is, I placed a guy recently, I can't remember how old you are, you're either 57 or 58, one or the other, um, and he had the two-year-old son. And he made comment about how many kids he had, and I thought, I didn't think anything of it. And I remember phoning him once, right. and I said, where are you? He said, I said, uh, he said, what do you mean? I said, it sounds like you're in Starbucks. Uh, he said, no, no, I'm in a soft place centre. I said, you're a bit old for that, aren't you? He said, no, not me, my son. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> we had a laugh about it. I said, how old's your son? He said, my son's two. I said, you know, I've got that all wrong. I thought your son was, you know, like 20, you know, whatever. And thought he thought you were an empty nester or something. Well, yeah, he said, I'm on my second, he said, I'm on my second marriage. He said, I'm a salesperson, so clearly I've managed to you know, track down and find a woman that's like younger than myself. Right. But what was interesting about that was, I always thought to myself, I wonder where this guy's motivation comes from, because he, he's, he's earned so much money. But yeah. actually, it comes from getting divorced and starting all over again. You know, he's 58 going on... Understanding the wider going, context going on the, Understanding the wider context of the motivations behind Yeah, it. yeah, very much so. Okay. And then, for the viewers at home, let's see if we can, how closely we can get this into shot. Can we get that in the shot? It's like a picture of a straight line and whether you are on either side of the straight line. Which I, quite, I, kind of I, I really, really like that. I, I thought that, um, that it's a funny sort of thing to say, actually, but I think that you build up a sense and a feeling and it's just a gut feel thing of how close you are to getting something. So I've got a prospect at the minute, hope you're watching, that I've been doing some work with and actually getting him on board as a prospect was a difficult thing to do. I'm, it seems pretty happy with the services getting at the minute. But I could just feel like I was getting closer. I felt like, using Jordan's analogy, we were getting closer and closer. And he's actually, in fairness to him, the first writer that I've ever seen that's put pen to paper and drawn a diagram that properly illustrates how I often feel in a cell. I thought that was right on the money. Then. That you're on one side. That you're on one side or the other of the deal. Either way, aren't you? You just know, don't you? Yeah. You know, the guy today, as much as I was panning him earlier on, I've always had a gut feel about that that wasn't quite right. Right? Why? Don't know. Been in IT sales group for 18 years. So it was a, a subconscious thing, really? Yeah, just, it's just a gut thing, isn't it? You know it at times, don't you, yourself? You know whether something's going to be a placement or not. And I could sit and ask or you... whether a sale's going to be a sale or... or, or what. Well, you, you know whether a candidate who's desperate for a job is going to get or it. Or a client opportunity. Client. opportunity. Well, let's, let's take it in terms of winning, a, winning an opportunity or winning a project. Well, that's the, uh, that's the yeah. You just know. You, you just know, like know. I've had that lead come in today. I've con communicated with the guy on LinkedIn. I just know the width. Even the speed, the cadence with which he's communicating. Well, it's not, there's no point mentioning individual things. I will win that project. It's gut feel. Yes. It's just gut feel. I'll get that project then. And actually... I'll beat other recruiters to that. Sort of, this is what, this is what the line represented. It was, how close are they to your gut feel of it being a sale, I thought. I really thought it was a really good thing to do that. So what about this, which is, duh, 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 asking for the order half the way through the deal. Yes, yeah, just a trial close, I liked it. And to smoke out objections. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I like that too. 100%. So it, what he's basically saying is, get stuck in. So if I was, so would you buy this right now? Do you want it? You know, it's interesting. Knowing damn well all you're doing is smoking out objections. It's interesting, as you know, I bought a new car this week. And uh, the guy at the garage, I just thought was absolutely right on the money. Because obviously, I, I'd obviously waited until the very last minute. Right. The very last month, you know. Oh, did the, you wait until month end and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was Sunday, month right. end. And uh, he goes to me, he goes, 
If I sort that price out for you, will you sign it today? Good trial close. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Lovely trial close. And then, so I said yes, and he went away and phoned me back two minutes later, and he said, right, sort the price out. He said you sign it today. Can you give me a deposit? And I thought, yes, I was in. You know, he closed me hard, but I was right. ready for it, and he knew it, and, I, and it wasn't a surprise, and it was good. Well, I'll tell you, the next bit that I, I like about this book is he talks about closing. Yes, I agree. And I do, again, lament over the 20 years I've been in sales and sales recruitment and selling in general and surrounded by salespeople, I personally believe closing has become a filthy word. Completely agree, 100%. Yet... If I look at the candidates that have top careers and earn top money, more often than not, they appear to have a respect for it. Do you know what's interesting about that? So one of the guys I placed, uh, a guy called Tim, I think you probably know who you are, and he's you know, a client now, he told me about this big deal that he won that was £6 million. He said he'd been working for it in ages. How, how are you watching, Tim? And he said, I couldn't believe how much work we've done, Mike. We've just done everything. We've profiled them. We've been on this guy's Facebook page. We've done the lot. He said, I took along my boss. First time I'd ever met a boss, he was a new boss from the States. Client was a German client. I flew out to Germany. Boss flew out to Germany. Boss walked through the door. We shook hands, went into the prospect, sat down with the prospect. He said, listen, this is going to cost £6 million. You're going to buy it. And this guy, the candidate, he sat there going, what? Hang on a minute. What about all the work? And he said, the client just went, yeah, I'm in. And Tim said, it was it because you know who he is. He's a very bright, you know, top guy. Sharp, very sharp. Oh, one of the best, literally one of the best I've ever placed, I'd say. And he said, yeah, great. Let's he just walked it. him and closed him. Yeah, it's going to cost six million quid, this. Are you in? Yeah. Right. And then, then at that point, you just put knocking well, over well, the little well, issues, aren't you? Well, I'll tell you what that's, that happened at that point is, you know, metaphorically, you've found your partner, you're going to get married, then what you're doing is making sure the transition from this point to it being installed is a yeah, good one. Yeah, well, you're agreeing the prenup, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Sorting yeah. out the wedding. And I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, next bit that I liked here, there was a really interesting piece here where he talks about, and literally the moment they started dialing, I don't know why I'm using an American accent, the entire office went on an account opening spree of such biblical proportions that within 90 days, every last one of them had become a million dollar producer. And I wrote here, and this is the bit that I'm uncertain about with the straight line selling process, I put, maybe he made the salespeople certain and they believed in the system, and they and prevailed like a football team that believes in the formation. And that maybe actually, Michael, it was the belief in the system, rather than necessarily the system itself, that was the massive contributor. Well, let's be clear, he has sold them a system. Yes. And I, I mean, you know, it doesn't mention it in the book, and nor in the film. I'd imagine if you and I worked there, you or I worked there, let's say both of us worked there, and I was towing the line and doing the system, and you weren't, you'd get fired. Yeah. I think it was the kind of environment... But a belief in the system. Yes, and I'll and I tell you something about some of the people who don't work here anymore. You know, we, we went through a process of creating a very sim simple, straightforward process that people could follow time and time again, so the clients knew what they were getting, essentially. The clients knew what the service they get is. And the people that didn't follow that system... They failed. They failed. They didn't work. But the ones that were incredibly successful actually believed in the Well, system. as you know, Jacob Spencer, I know you know, left to be whatever it was, into PT or whatever it was. But actually, Jacob Spencer, he followed the system. Not the most talented. 
Good luck. So, sorry, Jacob. Sorry, Jacob. We love you, Jacob. But we do. But, but our but, point is, I was a bit busted. Jacob Spencer followed the... And, and as a result, prevailed and believed in it. Yeah, correct, 100%. And actually, I actually look back on the system we were using then, I'm not completely convinced it was that brilliant. Um, it worked. It took some following. And so what I'm concerned about is, and what I can't work out is, do I love it because it's a system? And actually, did they all become million-dollar producers overnight? Because actually, if you it really, a bit if you really look at it, actually, were they just believers in what was a cult? And as a result, and as a result of did the, them believing in the leader, did they then have the confidence and exude the energy as salespeople to prevail to that extent? Or actually, is the system itself that shit hot? It, it, it did cast a little bit of doubt in my head. That, that particular line. That it became just a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy to, to all intents and purposes. Um, and then I also put here, uh, you finish the main body, he talks about sales presentation. You reach the point on the straight line where you're going to ask for the order and for the first time and wait for response. And then the back half of the sale begins, which gets triggered when the prospect hits you with the first objection. Alternatively, this is the point in the sale where you'll find out you have a laydown on your hands, in which case the prospect will simply say yes. You can close the deal without having to address any objection. But as I said before, these laydown sales are far and few between. Most of the time, prospect is going to hit you with at least one or two objections. I felt like he was just getting to this point. You know, prospect must love your prospect product. The prospect must trust and connect with you. Prospect must trust and connect with your company. All three great points. But I did put here, is this getting a little bit simplistic and does this work in our world? See, you see, I'll tell you where it does work. I, I, no, let me, let me rephrase this. So, so I'll tell you somebody who's got a brilliant process is actually your wife. Because obviously right. I know her fairly well. And I'll tell you what her process is. is her process is just meet everybody I can in the account and get them all to agree with me. Yeah. Am I wrong or is that Julian's process? Not um. far off that. I think she's probably a bit more sophisticated than that, but what, but she, she, what she does is she'll sit down and work out, well, who's involved in the deal? But I don't see why that's, why, why you're doing that down as a bad thing. I, I think... She has a, the simplicity of it is, she thinks, who's involved in the deal, who's going to influence whether this... I'll, I'll, I'll get them all bought. And I'll, I'll, and I'll make them all want to buy it. And, that I, you know, so, so actually, in, in, in his defence of that is, if we looked at some of our very complex sales, and a lot of the guys we deal with, let's be fair, have sales where they're, you know, just tens or maybe even you know fifties of decision makers if the if their process was get this book follow the straight line selling process and do it to all people in the sale it'd work yeah you could forget Miller Hyman yeah you probably could you probably could let's get on to chapter three anyway Uh, are we on to chapter three I'm on to chapter three I've been on it for ages I've been waiting for you basically I'm on to the first four seconds yeah I mean first four seconds I agree with that but I tell you my problem with the first four seconds is I mean, I do agree with it. You've got a very small window of time to get stuck into, into, into somebody and to get them going. There's no doubt about that. The problem I have with it is, is the lights <laughs> gone off again. Lights have gone. The problem Stand I have. Stand up, Brycey. The problem I have with it is, is that, um, is that you have to approach everybody with the same introduction, and you are gambling on what the other person is like. Because there are some people who don't want a full-on straight in. 
you know, let's get it right. The healthcare market, your market, is probably very different to the ERP market, and therefore the ERP salespeople are probably very different to the healthcare salespeople. Yes. After the ERP salespeople, you know, which is which is what I spend a lot of time doing, those guys are happy with a straight up right. How's it going? This is what I'm doing. Whereas because that is what their market is like. Correct. Whereas yours is different. So, so he says you want to be perceived in just the right way. Number one, sharp as a tack. He's right about that. Two, enthusiastic as hell. Three, an expert in your field. Is that really what, what people in our world buy? Well, like I say, you've if got... If I'm the financial director of, I don't know, Walker's Bloody Crisps, do I care that the guy's sharp as attack, enthusiastic as well, hell? That, well, that's my point. He's got a slight problem here in as much as you've got to have a pitch that goes in one direction, but you have no idea what's going to turn the other person on the other end of the phone off, on or off before you've spoken to him. Correct. I'll tell you something though. We had an employee that we parted company with, what, in the last four or five months? And I, he put here. Who, the employee? We, no, the, I don't think the employee could be. Well, wasn't sharp as a tack. It sounded thick on the phone. Oh, I know which employee you mean then. Yes. Sound, no matter what you did with him, didn't sound sharp. Yes, I agree with that. And did okay with decision makers that were all right with that. If you look at the market sectors in which that individual did all right for us, it was always companies whose customers were a bit public sectory and not very sharp. What if I made your client sell the public sector, Jonathan? Yes, I know that. But I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm cool with that. I know what you mean. I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. And I think now he's he's placing you know pretty junior people. I think by other accounts. Yeah. You probably don't care. He puts, however, to achieve lasting success, you must actually become an expert in your field so that you do indeed know what you're talking about. In other words, you can't just talk the talk, you also have to walk the walk. So while you're busy acting as if you're working at lightning speed to learn everything there is to know about your industry and the products you're selling so you truly indeed become an expert. That particular individual that we parted company with, I tried desperately to say, look, you're young, you don't sound as sharp as a tack because you've got quite a colloquial, regionalised accent. Therefore... You're going to have to work hard at being credible, didn't, and got wasted by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at the prospect I spoke to this morning, I just know he'd have eaten him alive. Because to get away with it, you've A, got to sound sharp, or B, you've got to sound like you really know the market. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. I mean, but I, mean, I couldn't help but feel that Jordan was onto a bit of hiding for nothing in that chapter, actually. Yeah, but you know, for me, he... Uh, he the only thing he's missing, and he talks a little bit here, Pricey, about listening. It's page 66, where he finally says... He's waited until 66. He's waited until page 66, where he starts talking about shutting up and listening. He says, the straight line system is as much about becoming an expert listener as an expert talker. However, to truly become an expert listener, you first need to learn how to take immediate control of the sale. There's simply no other way. Don't agree, actually. I think some very mediocre salespeople can do very well if they shut up and listen with vicious intent. But most people don't listen with what I refer to as vicious intent. Yeah, most person. Yes, they're not what they're not what they call in the textbooks active listeners. Yeah, this is the words. They're just they're like they're hearing them but they're not listening. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think a lot of top guys that we work with are very active listeners. They're listening incredibly deeply to what people are saying. So, overall, first three chapters, have we enjoyed it? Yes, I've enjoyed it. And you know what? I don't agree with everything that the man says, 
at all. And I do still think he was in a good market at a good time. But you know something I do really respect about the guy? He's earned a lot of money. So whatever his system is, it works. He's earned a lot of money. He's lost a lot of money. But do you know what? He's, he's, he's been successful. This, is a, it's, this, is a, this book has been published. And, it's not self-published. It's a published and, yeah, book. And, and I've got to say, the other thing is, is he's actually got an opinion. If, and he's got a system. If he was sat here now, we could argue about whether his system's right or wrong. But his point, I think, would be, listen, man, I've got a system and it's worked for me, so what's your point? Yeah. And I would say, you're fair enough. You're absolutely right. 100% you're right. Right. Cool. Well, I've enjoyed it too. Next week, we'll be doing chapters four, five, and six. What are chapters four, five, and six well, about? Let's have a, uh, I, I, I think maybe we should just do chapter four and five. We were lucky that chapter three was small. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Because I think otherwise you can spend too long on it. But it's yeah, 30 pages of it. Yeah, that's fine. It's le- it actually... Four, chapters 4, 5 and 6 is less than 30 pages. Uh, That's fine, we can do it. I don't know how uh, my daughter Honey's going to take to. We, we were at Taekwondo actually, I was reading it on their, on their Wednesday, and she got smashed in the face. So, I'll show you that. <laughs> so her nose was bust, and I was sort of trying to take her mind off it. She went, Daddy, what book are you reading? I said, I'm reading this book actually, Honey. She went, oh, alright. She, she said, can I listen to it then? So there's me, Honey, some mums and some dads kind of thing. And I said, he says something like, just go and fucking... Uh, sorry, Honey. <laughs> so maybe I'm going to like chapters 4, 5 and 6 right we'll be live 4.30 next Friday see you then thank you have a lovely weekend see you bye bye bye